Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in again for another episode of the Brawn Body Podcast. We've got a great episode for you today, and if you couldn't tell, today is all about glute training. So someone mentioned it's like thickness in July. Um, maybe you laughed at that, maybe you didn't. But either way, this is a great episode. We're going to talk about the anatomy of the glutes, the three glute muscles. We're going to talk about how to train the glutes, exercises for the glutes, and exercise programming in great detail. So things like, should you isolate your glutes? What actually is the best exercise for your glutes? So we're going to put an de- end to the debate of squats versus hip thrusts versus deadlifts versus booty bands and all of that right here today. And I'm very excited to dive into some of this stuff and to kind of put an end to some of these different myths or fictional training type things to help make sure you're getting the best experience and best results out of your own training. So I hope you learned something from this episode. And as always, if you like it, feel free to subscribe or share this episode with a friend. I have a bachelor's degree in exercise science. I'm in school to become a doctor of physical therapy. I'm a certified personal trainer who started a business at the age of 21. I've trained dozens and dozens of clients and helped hundreds of people. I've read dozens and dozens of books all about health, fitness, training, and nutrition. And I'm putting all of that knowledge and experience together to bring you this podcast. The Brawn Body Podcast is your new one-stop shop for everything you need to know about health, fitness, nutrition, and more. This should be a real interesting podcast. So last week, my laptop camera broke and I got it fixed. So that was a good thing. However, the screen on my laptop is now broke to the point where it's just spazzing out all the time and there's lines all over the place. And uh, so we'll see if we can get through this episode uh, cleanly, but... Anyways, starting off with the anatomy of the glutes. So there's actually three main muscles to the glutes. Most people don't know that, but they're easy to pick up because they're named based on their size. So we have the gluteus maximus or glute max, which believe it or not is the largest of the three and is actually the largest muscle in the body, hence the word maximus. The glute medius is the middle tier muscle. So it's smaller than the glute max, but it's larger than the glute minimus or gluteus minimus, which is the smallest of the three. And the glute max kind of does its own thing. Glute medius and glute minimus kind of ride along together. So the gluteus maximus is responsible for extension and external rotation of the hip. It's the most powerful and most effective at these movements. So whenever we're driving our leg behind our body or we're turning our hip outwards to the side. So think of a dancer, especially ballet. They typically start or at some point in their dance routines, they uh, resort to that turnout position where their hip is extended and externally rotated. And that's all glute max doing that. So very big, powerful muscle. This is where we get our horsepower from 
in athletics. It's the driver for pretty much all athletic movements. Extension of the hip, so anytime you're squatting or deadlifting, any kind of squat, hinge, lunge, or hip thrust type pattern, the glutes are involved. And they're also involved horizontally as well. So when we think about things like a hip thrust or the sprinting, whether it be a hill sprint or a flat sprint, the glutes are really involved heavily there as well. This is glute max that I'm talking about. So glute medius and minimus, as I said, they kind of go together. So they're deeper, they're below the glute max, so you don't see them as prominent. However, um, even though they're separate anatomically, like I said, they do pretty much the same thing. They both abduct and internally rotate your hip. So what that means is they raise your leg out to the side, away from the middle of your body, and they rotate your leg inwards. So remember that turnout position was what we were saying for glute max. For glute medius and minimus, we're going to go straight out to the side with our foot turned in, and you'll really be able to feel those muscles activate there. But as far as uh, attachments go, uh, the gluteus maximus runs from the sacrum and the ilium, so that lower back hip type area, over to the outside of your femur on this bony prominence called the greater trochanter. You can probably feel it if you feel the side of your hip. There's this small bony knob, so to speak. That would be your greater trochanter. And it also attaches to the iliotibial band or the IT band, IT tract. The glute medius and glute minimus also run from the ilium over to the lateral femur, which, again, makes sense anatomically when we think about what they do. So now that we know what the glutes are and what they do, how should we train them? I want to start by addressing the issue, I'll say, of glute isolation. One of the most common questions I get about the butt and exercises for the butt are, should I train my glutes in isolation? Should I be using things like booty bands or butt blasters or that sort of thing? And I have a complex answer to a simple question. Yes, you should. And no, you shouldn't. So I think the problem we're facing right now in the gym or if you're at home training is glute workouts or glute focused workouts or leg day in general is all about the butt. It's all about the glutes. So all people do for their leg day is they do single leg hip thrusts with a glute band. They do kickbacks. They do donkey kicks. They do fire hydrants or dirty dog or whatever you prefer to call it. They do clamshells. And these are all great exercises and they have a place. However, they should not be the only thing you're doing for your glutes and your legs in general. So yes, isolation work has a place. No, it should not be the only thing you do. So where does isolation work have a place? First, in prehab or rehab type settings. So when we get people in physical therapy, we often see people with imbalances. So maybe one part of their glutes is stronger than the other. Maybe their glute max is dominant and they have a great extension moment, but their glute medius is weaker. 
and as such, they have issues getting their hip out to the side. Likewise, you could also have weakness in the glute max. So maybe someone sits down all day, they work at a desk, and they're sitting down for 10 hours a day at work and five hours a day at home watching TV and channel surfing and uh, Xbox and all that. That's very common, sadly enough. But as a result, they might not have well-developed glutes or they might have issues activating the glute max. So we need to make sure that muscle fires. So in prehab and rehab, it's useful because we can correct the imbalances that people have. Now, if you know what imbalances you have, then you could probably do some of that on your own. However, I highly encourage you get some kind of movement screening or something similar by a physical therapist or someone who's familiar with movement screening type stuff, athletic trainers, that sort of thing. And the reason why is we often have issues diagnosing our own problems. And although Dr. Google is a great resource, it's not the answer to all of our problems. And sometimes it's better to have a new, fresh perspective, kind of look at things and figure things out. So just a little plug there, get a movement screen, especially if you're not sure. So prehab and rehab, great spot for glute isolation. Where else? As a burnout towards the end of your exercise or as a pre-exhaust towards the beginning of your workout. Now, what does that mean? So say I'm someone who really wants my glutes to grow more, or maybe I'm doing exercises like squats, but I'm not feeling the glutes activate while I'm doing my squats. I feel it in my quads, I feel it other places, but I'm not feeling it in the glutes. That's where we're going to pull in some glute isolation work. So if you're not feeling it in those exercises, it's probably best to start with a pre-exhaust. And what that means is doing two or three sets, nothing crazy here, of one or two of those glute isolation exercises and really focusing on the squeeze, focusing on the contraction, the mind-muscle connection. So getting your body primed, getting your nervous system primed to fire your glutes effectively. So then when you do go to do something like a squat, the glutes fire more effectively and you get more out of your training if uh, booty building or butt building is your goal. Now, what exercises would I recommend for something like that? I'll get into that when we go over the different exercises, the best exercises for the butt. And the reason I'm saying that is because, you know, I just said squats, but maybe you feel your glutes work on squats, but not on lunges. Maybe you feel your glutes work on hip thrusts, but not deadlifts or something similar. So I'm going to try and address that and clear all that up there. Now, as far as a burnout, if you really want to focus on the pump kind of feeling, so force a lot of blood to flow into a muscle or a region, then you're going to do a couple different glute isolation exercises towards the end of your workout. And this is one I will give examples for because this isn't exercise specific, so to speak. So again, we're, our goal with that is to hit the glutes with a lot of volume, force a lot of blood into the muscle in the area in a short amount of time. So what's the best way to do that? I like to come up with a flow. 
for a finisher. So whether it's for the glutes, for the full body, whatever, I like everything to flow together. So my favorite ways to do glute finisher burnout type flows are in a certain position. So some days it might be standing. Some days it might be quadruped on the floor with uh, your hands and knees on the ground. Other days you might be sidelining. Either way, whatever you're doing, they'll all work. So if you're going for a standing glute burner, then maybe what you do is a series of squats, standing kickback leg extensions, and standing hip abduction, so raises to the side. So doing that would effectively hit your hip abductors, so the glute medius and glute minimus, and the extensors and external rotators, so the glute max. So that's an easy way, just three exercises, flow from one right to the next, right to the next. You can do it a few times. You can do high rep work, and you can obviously, I would recommend throwing a mini band or glute band or some kind of resistance in there if you can. Now, say I'm in quadruped. How would I finish off a workout for my glutes then? Then I would go into something like a donkey kickback and a dirty dog or fire hydrant, the hip raise to the side, basically. And what that's doing for me is I'm getting that extension moment from the glute max, and I'm getting that hip abduction moment, so hip out to the side for the glute medius and glute minimus. And that's something I can just go back and forth. I would usually start on the right side, so do your uh, fire hydrants on the right leg, do your kickbacks on the right leg, and then go over to the left leg. Do your kickbacks, do your fire hydrants, and then rinse, wash, repeat. So just kind of go right around in a circle there. And, you know, if you're really feeling it and you want to throw in some extra core work, you could also add the bird dog to that position. So that was something we talked about extensively last week in our core training podcast. And I highly encourage you to go back and check that out if you haven't listened to it yet. But that's a way for you to hit your glutes and your core at the same time in one little flow. Nice little finisher. And last, I said supine. So laying down on the floor or sideline. Um, so with this, this would be your clamshell type area. So you're looking for that abduction with internal rotation of the hip. Okay, that's all well and good, but that's only glute medius and glute minimus, we said. So what else should I be doing? For the glute max, what I would do is actually bend the knee and in that sideline position, drive the leg back behind the body. And this is one where you're going to need some kind of resistance band attached to, say, a power rack or some other, like a bench or something where you can get the band down low and around your leg. So you're looking to get around the thigh and then kick back when you're uh, laying on your side like that. So that's just different ways for you to do finishers based on what position you're in. And again, you can go high rep, you can go mid-tier rep, so 12 to 15, or you can do 20 to plus, 20, 30, 50 if you're feeling it. Um, but ultimately, again, the goal of a finisher is to really cause that pump kind of effect and force blood to flow into an area. Give the muscle that pumped up look. A lot of times you'll see guys doing this at the gym, 
for their arms, not to stereotype, I've seen girls do it too, um, just kind of throwing that out there to make a little bit more of a connection for you. So when it comes to the best glute exercises, regardless if your goal is aesthetics and looking good or strength and performance, your goal or focus per se should be to increase the weight. So progressive overload, focusing on those compound exercises for the glutes. So increasing weight, increasing tension, constantly changing things up. So with that said, all of the exercises I have chosen for uh, our best glute exercises are compounds. And these are the ones that we see the best results with and that help people the most, again, with aesthetics, with improved strength, with performance improvements, all of that sort of thing. So I'm actually citing an article that was just published recently here in uh, this uh, podcast, and I linked to it in the show notes. It was just published in March of 2020. You might have heard of it. It's called Gluteus Maximus Activation During Common Strength and Hypertrophy Exercises, and this was a big systematic review, and it's very well recognized, and I really like how they put everything together in this study. So they looked at a bunch of other studies' results and kind of made conclusions based on that. So again, the link to that and all my other references are in the show notes over at brawnbodytraining.com, brawn with a W. So our top glute exercise, this might surprise a lot of you, it surprised me, is actually the step up. Yep, step up variations are number one for gluteal activation. With that said, so many people and a lot of the clients I've worked with do step-ups incorrectly. So when they do their step-up, they drive through the knee and they use their quads or their hamstrings, basically focusing on the thigh and the calf. So they're using their legs to step up onto the box or bench or whatever they're using and they're not driving through the glutes. So if you're going to do a step up, the best way to make sure you get glute activation is to drive through the glutes. Use the hip. And again, if you're having issues doing that, then now's the time to look for some glute isolation work. So doing this resulted in extremely high values of gluteal activation. They had over 100% MVC, MVIC values. So extreme activation here. Now, with that said, there's plenty of step-up variations you can do. You can do the traditional step right up, step down, or you can do lateral. So from the side, you can do diagonal, uh, lots of different variations of the step-up. The best way to do a step-up that I found is to start, make sure you can do eight to 10 reps with good form and you're feeling the glute activation. Once you've got that, now we're going to change the tempo. So step up and then slowly step step down. The eccentric loading in the step up really seems to do wonders for people. I'm talking a nice three to five second eccentric. So if you're doing a lateral step up and you're gonna do 10 reps, you're gonna spend 30 to 50 seconds 
probably even closer to a minute in some cases doing those reps. And again, you're really going to feel it fire up those glutes. And the nice thing about this is since we're working one leg at a time, we're getting the unilateral benefit. So we're evening everything out, but we're also really activating all three of the glutes at the same time. They're working together, they're working synergistically, and we're getting a ton of benefits as a result. You can also load the step up, but again, I don't recommend loading it until you master the basics. Get that movement pattern down. Make sure you're feeling it and doing it correctly, then start to load it. The other thing I like to do is add in a uh, kick through or a running man type movement with the step up. So if I step up, my right leg's on the box, I step up, I like to drive my left knee up and through as I do that. So now I'm going to incorporate a balance component with the step up too, because I've got movement changing of our position of center or gravity, changing our base of support while we're up on the box. So I think I've pretty much exhausted the step up in detail going into isolation work for the step up. So if you're having issues getting your glutes to fire during a step up, I would look at something like a kickback or extension type pattern. Really focus on getting the glute max to fire. The other thing you could do is look for a push down type exercise. So you might have seen uh, people on Instagram doing stuff like this before where they use a assisted pull up or assisted dip station or they use a resistance band and focus on pushing down with through their feet to activate their glutes. And that is actually a very effective way to target and isolate the glutes for the step up movement pattern. So I would look into doing either of those options here. So if the step up is the best, then you can probably figure out what the second best is, and that's the hip thrust. Knowing me, you had to know it was gonna be right up there, and multiple studies actually confirmed the hip thrust was superior to the squat as far as glute activation. So with the hip thrust, this comes from Brett Contreras, some of you probably have heard of him before. He's the author of the book, Glute Lab, and uh, founder of the Glute Lab, which is a training gym. Um, while I don't have him on the show, he's um, obviously kind of a big shot kind of guy, and he's currently sick with the coronavirus, so hoping he gets better, wishing him well. Um, but I did want to throw his name out there because, well, he's the one who came up with the exercise. He's done a lot of research here, and he is definitely someone that I would recommend checking out if you're interested in learning more about glute training. I don't often, you know, make it a point to uh, point other people out, but he does really know his stuff. So with that said, the reason I really like the hip thrust is you can load it heavily and it's a direct posterior chain exercise. So what I mean by that is this is not an exercise that's going to hit the quads and the calves and all that while it's still hitting the hamstrings and the glutes. This one goes right after the glutes and the hamstrings. It's effective, it's targeted, and again, you can really load it. So I like to load it in the hip thrust variation where my back is on a bench or something similar, 
But I know other people like to load it in more of a glute bridge type uh, variation where their back is on the floor and then they're thrusting up. Either way is perfectly fine. Just know that, again, it's a great way to load the posterior chain and make some insane strength and size gains. So with that said, you can do, obviously, loaded with a barbell. You can incorporate a mini band around the knees to increase your glute medius activation because you're going to have to have tension pushing out on the band. You could also do single leg hip thrust. You could do hip thrust where your feet are on the bench. Um, I wouldn't do that loaded, would not recommend, but you could do it with like a small dumbbell or small kettlebell or something that way. Um, There's plenty of variations you can do. You could even do a frog pump type position where your feet are together like you're going to do a frog or butterfly stretch and then you're going to do your hip thrusts. So there's studies that I've linked to in the show notes that show increasing your strength and performance in the hip thrust actually increases other exercises strength and performance. So what I mean by that is something like getting stronger on the hip thrust would help you get stronger in your squat. So you could increase your one rep max squat by doing more hip thrusts or stronger hip thrusts. And additionally, I said before, the hip thrusts are a horizontal type component. So there's a huge link and carryover between your glute strength and your performance in a barbell hip thrust and your sprinting speed, acceleration, and performance. And I linked to a study about that as well. But essentially, if you're an athlete, these two exercises should be your bread and butter. If you can step up and you're working the uh, unilateral imbalances, so training each side independently and working out any kind of imbalance between your left and right side with your glutes, you're incorporating balance with that as well. And then you're following it with a hip thrust or vice versa, doing the hip thrust first and then right into the step up. So loading heavy and then incorporating with a functional movement pattern that's increasing a lot of athletic skills. So these two exercises are definitely a focus amongst others for athletes. Obviously, others like squat and deadlift are all key too, but these two should be a uh, focus. And I think they're often overlooked for things like squats, deadlifts, and lunges, which are conveniently enough the next three exercises I'm going to go over. But don't neglect these. As far as isolation for your uh, hip thrust or glute bridge, if you're not feeling your glutes in here, my favorite way to really make sure the glutes are active is to start with a isometric hold. So I will put a mini band or two even around the knees and load up the bar at a light weight. For me, that's probably about 225 pounds. But as you saw on Instagram, I hit 505 the other day. So that's probably about 50%, 40 to 50% of my one rep max, roughly. So with that said, I load that up, and then I do an isometric hold at the top for 30 to 60 seconds. I know that sounds like a long time, but think about it like a plank. So when you plank, you really activate your core. So we're going to do the same thing for the hip thrust. We're going to load it, and again, that could be body weight. It could be a light dumbbell or a kettlebell. It could be a bar with 135 on it. 
whatever, wherever you're at, as long as you're getting results, that's what we're looking for. Getting better, stronger, and improving every day with every workout. So load that up, hinge up, thrust up, and hold 30 to 60 seconds. This is, again, one of the most effective ways to isolate the glutes for this specific exercise because you're doing the actual movement pattern. You're sticking with the way the glutes work in that exercise and isolating them, um, as we know, is just going to increase the fiber activation more and more and more. So the longer you hold something or the slower you do a rep, you will see more activation of a muscle, which is why we see things like eccentric activity being great for improvements in strength and size. So step up, hip thrust, what's number three? Squat. You had to see that one coming too. Kind of predictable here. So as we know, the squats are really the king of the lower body exercises. So they work the calves. They work the hamstrings to some extent. They work the quads. They work the glutes. Everything is working, and it's working together. There's all kinds of research on the squat. So whether it's for bodybuilding, aesthetic-type purpose, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger himself loved squats, or whether it's athletic performance-type standpoint. Um, So there's a lot of carryover between your strength on your squat and your ability to vertical jump. The loading from the squat can help to protect against injury at places like the knee and just having the ability to go through a full range motion squat pain-free is also very beneficial for athletes because a lot of sports involve that squat type movement pattern. You know, think of a sport that doesn't involve any kind of jumping or any kind of getting low. I can't think of too many personally. I mean, horseback riding, but you're on a horse, so I don't know if I'd count that. Um, so being able to squat is, not not that I wouldn't count horseback riding as a sport, just saying that I wouldn't count it as far as the squat because you're sitting on a horse. Um, just clearing that up real quick. But yeah, squats, great movement pattern, great activity. And obviously loads pretty much everything in the leg, which we're going to finish up on next week when we round out the best exercise series. We'll be talking about the squats for the legs in detail. The glutes in the squat are really needed throughout the movement. So you're looking at hip tracking with the glute or knee tracking with the glute medius and minimus holding the knees in line, making sure you don't have that valgus collapse when your knees cave inwards, glute max for constant tension, and you'll really feel that at the top of the uh, movement there when you lock out. So great movement there. As far as what type of squat you should be doing, this is another question I get is, you know, this is my goal or this is what I want to do. Should I be doing front squats? Should I be doing back squats? Should I be doing zombie squats or zercher squats? Or what should I do? So with that said, as far as the article is concerned, the belt squat actually loaded the glutes the best. So this is one where there's no load at all on the spine. And the load is instead on a belt that goes around your uh, lower back. And then you do your squats. 
and I've used that before as an accessory, and I do like that exercise a lot. But otherwise, I would have to say for the glutes, there's nothing better than your classic parallel back squat. So with that, just going to parallel, maybe a little bit below, the article that I uh, mentioned earlier made it a point to actually say that parallel back squats increased glute activation the most. So full squats or partial squats did a lot less activation for the glutes than just going to parallel, which I found interesting. So with that, front squats are not going to focus on the glutes as much. They put more of a moment arm at the knee because of the positioning of the bar. So you're going to see more quad activation with any kind of front squat, whether it's a front squat, goblet squat, overhead squat, zercher squat, or zombie squat. That's more uh, quadricep focused than it is glute and hip focused. Now, the article did not mention sumo squats or wide stance squats. And I want to make it a point to throw those in because I really like those. I've been doing them a lot lately as well. And I believe that they're a great way to load the posterior chain while effectively lengthening the adductors. So with that wide stance squat, almost all your movement is going to be at the hip. You have little to no movement occurring at the knee. So obviously as a result, you're going to have more glute focused um, squat movement pattern than you would with the knee. Now, again, I would not train that exclusively. I would do sumo squats and I would do traditional regular squats, but it is a nice different type of accessory exercise that you can throw in on occasion. Again, just for something different. Um, again, that's something I like and I believe that was something that Pivel and Dan John talked about in their book, Easy Strength. I was reading that a little while ago. So I will drop that into the show notes as well. So step ups, hip thrusts, squats. Next, we got the deadlift. And in general, any type of hip hinge pattern. I know we talked about the deadlift before when we talked about things like back exercises. And I believe I even threw it in the arm exercise podcast too, because you need to have extremely strong forearms to hold on to a heavy deadlift. So this probably is not much of a surprise for most of you either, because if the squat is the king of the lower body exercises, then the deadlift is the king of the full body exercises, because pretty much everything is working here. So going back to that article uh, that I've mentioned a few times here, I was kind of surprised at some of their findings. They actually found that the hex bar deadlift uh, led to the most glute activation out of all the deadlift patterns, which surprised me because to me, the hex bar deadlift is more like a squat pattern. So I would have thought you would have seen more quadricep loading and less glute and hamstring loading, but they found the opposite. And again, this is a study that I've looked at quite a bit, and it is pretty valid, pretty good, and it seems to hold up pretty well in the research. So there is some evidence out there that says the hex bar deadlift is the best deadlift variation you can do uh, for your glutes and really just for development in general. 
And I know when I work with athletes, this is my exercise of choice for the lower body because it loads everything pretty well. And you really can't go wrong with it as far as athletic carryover is concerned. Uh, There's been a ton of research tying your hex bar deadlift performance with sprints as well, just like the hip thrust. So if you're an athlete and you're listening to this, you should be thinking hex bar deadlift, squat movement pattern, hip thrust for strength, and step-ups. So far, anyways. Now, going on with the deadlift here, the traditional deadlift variation is the next highest, and the stiff leg and sumo deadlifts were lower. Again, to me, that was really surprising because I know when I do sumo deadlifts, I usually feel it in my glutes the most. I like that wider stance, and it's really effective at targeting the posterior chain for me. But I start to wonder if maybe some of that activation I'm feeling is more in my hamstrings than it is my glutes. The reason I say that, and we'll go over this next week with the legs, is the hamstrings attach to the ischial tuberosity, which is actually under the glutes. So if you have strong activation of your hamstrings, you might feel it more as glute activation. So again, I'm going by the research and what the science says, but I'm also throwing in my own opinion here. I did not see anything about the Romanian deadlift or RDL in the article. And this is another exercise that I like to go to for glute and hamstring exercise uh, activity and focus. So this is one that you can do with a barbell, you can do it single leg, or my favorite way of doing it is with a landmine, both hands on the the, uh, bar for the landmine and doing an RDL off that. That way the weight is loaded in front of you instead of to the sides. Either Either way, any of those variations is great. And again, all are going to work the glutes and the hamstrings. Now, as far as which one is the most effective out of those, again, I haven't seen anything about that. But in general, that hinging type movement pattern is very fundamental to so much that we do that it should be included regardless if, you know, it's the best exercise for your glutes or not. And that's something I'll say for all of these exercises. These are functional movement patterns. You should be able to squat. You should be able to hinge your hips back as in a deadlift. You should be able to step up onto something. You should be able to thrust your hips. If you can't do these things, then again, going back to my little PT plug there, you really need to get screened and get checked out because these are things you're going to do in your daily life, like it or not. So during your daily life, you sit down and stand up. During your daily life, you walk up things like stairs. So a lot of these exercises have great carryover to life. They're functional, so to speak. So these are all things that should have a place in your training program. So if you're trying to train for glutes specifically with aesthetics, maybe you're going to focus more on the step-ups and the hip thrusts, but you're still going to do some squats and some deadlifting, that sort of thing. Maybe you're trying to train for a powerlifting or strongman type competition where you need to deadlift, you know, 800, 900 pounds. Then you're still going to want to do other exercises 
like the hip thrust, like the squat, like the step up, but the deadlift becomes your focus. It's just a matter of reframing the exercise for your specific goal or reframing the programming for your specific goal. So the other nice thing with the deadlift I didn't mention is you can really load this heavy. Like I said, you know, there's people deadlifting 800 plus pounds, 1,000 plus pounds. So this is one you can go pretty heavy on. Just make sure to keep your back straight and core tight. And again, it's more of a full body movement because it works so many muscles. All right, rounding us out here with lunges. So these are very similar to a squat, pretty similar movement pattern, but you're only doing one leg at a time. So again, we're getting that unilateral training benefit here. We're evening everything out, going one side at a time. Now, as far as the research is concerned, the split squat was actually the best variation out of the lunges for the glutes. Not by much, but enough. Following that is the inline lunge or curtsy lunge, and then the traditional lunge. Um, but again, there's so many different ways to lunge. You can do side lunges, reverse lunges, forward lunges. You can do a heel elevated. So you can elevate the back foot. You can elevate the front foot. You could do a split squat, which is the back foot is on a bench or a box. And then you're doing that lunge type movement pattern. And again, that split squat was the most effective here. So when, I, when it comes to lunging, I like the split squat pattern best. And if you want more glute activation out of that, you're going to take a larger or wider stance. My favorite way to do it is with a resistance band, actually. I like to load up three or four resistance bands and do six to eight reps of split squats. So I'm loading up two, 300 pounds of resistance on that lunge type movement pattern. And I like it because... As I stand up, as I push more, it gets harder. Now, you can even add dumbbells or kettlebells or some other kind of weight to that. Or you could stick strictly to just weight and no band. So whether that's just dumbbells or a barbell even, you could do that too. Um, and with that, I know a lot of people really like to load the lunge, especially the reverse lunge or walking lunge with a barbell and go a little heavier on that. And to them, that's better than the squat. And if that's you, that is perfectly okay. Again, there's so many variations here. It's just a matter of finding what you like and what works for you and then embracing the variety. So maybe you do a cycle where four weeks you do the reverse lunge. Then after that, you follow that with a four-week cycle of the forward lunge. Start changing things up to make sure you don't get stagnant with your training, constantly adapting and being dynamic. So if you do a combination of those five exercises, step-ups, lunges, hip thrusts, squats, and deadlifts, you're going to develop great glutes as long as you're progressing. Now, again, I would highly recommend training all of them to some extent because they are functional movements. However, that doesn't mean you have to do all five in every workout. You could do one leg training session towards the start of the week with two or three of those movements and another one a few days later with the other two or three of those movements. Just a way to alternate with the training there, give you a little variety and change it up. Now, before I go on to more on programming, I want to talk on hill sprints. So this is a little bonus one that I decided to add in. So as we know, 
the glutes are fundamental for sprinting and running because they extend, abduct, and externally rotate and internally rotate. So they do a lot at the hip. And running is very hip involved. So doing something like a hill sprint or a sprint in general is really going to work the glutes effectively because you're pushing off with a lot of power and force. And it's pretty much all glute, all butt here. Um, again, because this is where your main engine is, your horsepower. So you look at like football players, for example. You know, they focus on building the glutes in football players because they need more horsepower to run faster or knock people over or what have you. But doing something like a hell sprint is a great way to train the glutes and get some performance benefits, so to speak. So being more specific towards the athletic side of things here. You can still see some growth, so aesthetic side of thing with the hell sprint, but it's really meant for performance. So it's great to go into the gym and load the glutes heavy with all the exercises that I just discussed. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to use it. So I like to take it then to the hill and do some hill sprints. It doesn't take much. You could just do three to five. You could do more. You could do your hill sprints like exercise and you could do sets of them. So three sets of five, three sets of 10, whatever. But again, at the end of the day, it's great to have that increased strength. But if you're not applying it to the task where you need it, it's not really going to do you any favors when it comes to things like athletic competition. So I highly recommend messing around with some hill sprints. And, you know, if you don't want to do these all in a row, this is also a great way to break up your day. So, you know, if I want to do something before lunch, I'm at home because COVID, so maybe I'll go out to the back hill and do three hill sprints real quick just to get the heart rate up, burn a few calories, but also it's a nice way to incorporate that training throughout your day instead of all at once. All right, so we've gone over a lot about the glutes, so we're going to hit it home here with programming. So if your goal is to program strength. So if you want to increase the strength of your glutes, you're going to be looking at doing probably two of these exercises per day. So something like the squat and the hip thrust and the deadlift or with the lunge or step up. Um, lunge would probably be better for loading and strength, but the step up is still important. So with that, I might do my squat and hip thrust on Monday and the deadlift and lunge on Thursday or Friday to give me time in between to kind of let everything recover. And with that, I'm looking for three to five sets and lower reps. So two to five rep range for the most part here. So I'm really loading heavy. I'm working hard and I'm focusing on the strength gains. So again, with that, you're also going to incorporate longer rest periods. So you're going to want probably two to three minutes between sets just to kind of let everything recover. And I know some of you might be thinking, okay, but I've never done heavy lunges before. I've never done heavy hip thrusts before. Like, what's that going to do for me? What's that like? And I'm telling you to just go out and try it. Try it for four weeks. Do three sets of five or five sets of three or any kind of variation like that with heavy 
uh, hip thrusts or heavy lunges. And make sure you're safe when doing this. Keep a spotter available or keep someone nearby. Uh, with the hip thrust, I highly encourage some type of bar padding because otherwise uh, that's, that's going to hurt. But really load it up hard and heavy. Now for athletic performance. So again, athletics, lots of different uh, positions, a lot of different movement patterns. So for athletics, I would still want to incorporate some heavy loading to get the benefits of higher load resistance training. So pick those ex- some of those exercises like the hex bar deadlift and the barbell hip thrust and load them. I mean heavy. So five, 600 pounds and you know, lower rep range. So three to five sets, two to five rep range again with those longer rest periods. But then I would follow that with more variation. So again, athletics, we have to be in a lot of different positions. We have to move freely. So I would look for full range of motion squats or squats to at least parallel. And I would look for different lunge variations, forward, reverse, side lunges, split squats, uh, front foot elevated uh, lunges. And I would look for those step-up variations. So doing things like the forward step-up or lateral step-up or diagonal, any of those. Um, just incorporating, incorporating that variation. And you don't have to go crazy with those. You can do a simple 3x8, 3x10, or 4x8, you know, just around 30 reps in total between three or four sets. That's going to work just fine. And that's going to allow you to train in different movement patterns and add a little more volume to your training. The biggest mistake I see athletes doing with their glutes and their lower body and really just training in general, though, is they overreach and overtrain. So especially at the high school and collegiate level, athletes will lift hard and their coaches might really be out there to smoke them in the weight room. I mean, they're going in and they're doing, you know, 100 burpees or 1,000 rep workout or something like that. And I'm here to say that you don't need to do that level of volume in order to see results. You know, sticking with, you know, that 10 to 15, 10 10 to 20 range for strength as far as reps goes and that 30 to 40 range for general performance, strengthening, and growth, that's going to do you just fine. So in total, you might get 100 reps in a workout some days. Some days it might be closer to two or 300. And that's okay to have a little variety. But don't feel like you need to be killing yourself every single workout. Your workout should leave you energized and you should leave feeling stronger and better than you came in. And again, with athletes, you've got things like practice. You've got the demands of life and school and stress and all of that. You might not sleep the greatest some nights. So just kind of keep all that in mind when you're doing your training. And lastly, for aesthetics. So, you know, we don't really care about our performance on the field. We don't really care how strong we get. We just want our glutes to look good and be ready for the beach because it's summer after all. So if you're going to do that, Again, progressive overload is the name of the game. Pick these movement patterns. Hammer these movement patterns. Get them down. Perfect. Good hip thrust. Good step up. Good squat. Good deadlift. Once you do that, load them. 
and just progressively increase how much you load them. And I would do one exercise per cycle for strength. So what I would do is pick, say, the hip thrust. And I would pick at least one day a week where I'm training for strength. I mean that low rep range, mid-tier set range, just really loading up hard and heavy because you're going to get a lot of benefits from heavy resistance training. So load up heavy with hip thrust or squat or deadlift, pick one. Load it heavy, follow it with the others, add a little variation in there. You're probably looking at about four, maybe five exercises per workout. Depends on if you superset them or not or how you do things. Um, And with that, you know, you would incorporate things like your mini band pre-exhaust or burner or something along those lines. And it's hard for me to really give a full depiction of what these workouts look like right now because I'm talking about the glutes specifically when typically we train either full body all the time for athletes. You know, athletes, if you're on the field, you're going to be using your full body at every time. So you like to train in that manner. Um, For aesthetics and for strength, we typically train either by movement pattern. So, you know, bench day, squat day, deadlift day, or by uh, region. So we'll do a leg workout and we include the glutes with the legs or we'll do a arm workout or something along those lines. So it's kind of hard for me to paint the full picture for you right now because we haven't told everything there is to tell. Uh, And we'll get to that next week when we go over leg training. Wow, that was quite the episode. A little over an hour long is what it's showing here. But I hope you learned something from everything that I talked about there about the glutes. And I hope that you've had questions answered and you're ready to go out and tackle your next leg day or glute workout in general. As always, if you have any other questions, feel free to follow up with me or in general, just give me your thoughts on the podcast and what we've been doing. My Instagram is at brawnbody, brawn with a W. Again, feel free to share any thoughts you have with us. Additionally, if you like this podcast, please subscribe so I have a little motivation to keep bringing you more podcasts. The more engagement I see in these, the more excited I am to post the next one and get everything prepped and ready and all that way. And again, as always, if you learned something from this and know someone who could benefit from listening to this podcast, please share this episode with them. Thank you, as always, for your support and your endless kindness. I hope you have a great rest of your day and great rest of your week. Stay tuned for more on leg training next week. (laughs) 